Homeschool.com, America's leading source for homeschooling information, recorded this live interview as part of our free homeschooling teleconference series. If you would like to receive the schedule for upcoming teleconferences, please send an email to advisor at homeschool.com. Our interview, our next interview, is with uh, Pat Wyman, Patricia Wyman. Uh, Pat is known as America's most trusted learning expert. She is a best-selling author, reading specialist, and founder of www.howtolearn.com. In this interview, we will be talking about why traditional vision screenings may miss the very skills your child needs to become an excellent reader and how vision therapy exercises can improve reading, learning, and even athletic abilities. Uh, Pat, as I mentioned, she has a free IQ reading inventory at howtolearn.com, and then look for I Read, I Succeed. Look for that link, and there's a nice vision test. Uh, I asked Pat to come and talk about this topic. She has um, graciously given us her time in last summer's teleconference and the year before, uh, Patricia is mostly known for her uh, learning styles information, but I'm very interested in the topic of vision therapy. Uh, my son uh, is diagnosed with macular degeneration, and uh, it was supposed to be that he was never going to be able to get a driving license, I mean, that he was going to be lucky to see it all. And because of vision therapy, uh, doing these eye muscle exercises with a vision therapist doctor, um, he's on the track to being able to get his license later in the year. I also have a left-handed daughter who, although she's a straight-A student and bright as could be, uh, does not read for pleasure. And it ends up that it's uh, straining on her eyes, that she has uh, one eye that tends to uh, jump out after she's been reading for a while. And also, which is not that uncommon for lefties, uh, she has poor tracking skills. Uh, one of the vision therapy tests is that she would, her eyes would follow a maze, a line inside of a maze, and she was not able to uh, follow even the easiest of mazes. And so we're doing vision therapy with her to strengthen those muscles and those skills to make her an easier reader, make reading easier for her, and also to help my son improve his vision. So thank you very much for being with us today, Pat. I sure appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. You know, reading is one of those topics that is so critical to everyone because it really is one of the things that lies at the core of our learning process. And, you know, it's not a static process. And a lot of times as parents and even, I know, teachers in school systems and um, other people just automatically assume that when children are born that they have the ability to see and that they see the world in exactly the same way as perhaps their parents or other siblings do. And I know, you know, in a recent time, you and I were talking, and this is a very personal story to me as well, um, because my own daughter, which I can talk about a little bit later, 
um, benefited from vision therapy, and I'll explain what happened in her situation. But recently, when you and I were talking, you had mentioned um, both both of your children, but one in particular in the beginning, and that she was not reading for pleasure. And one of the things that I know as a reading specialist is that, you know, all children really want to learn how to read. That is something that they start out life wanting to do. It's very, very, very exciting. And it's only until they start running into some kind of barrier or some kind of roadblock that it stops that process. And most often, a parent might not know that their child is experiencing some kind of problem when they're reading. So, in fact, they may even think the child is unmotivated or they might think their child has something like some kind of an attention deficit disorder or some kind of learning disability or impairment when, in fact, there's kind of this big mystery. There may be an undetected what we call vision problem, which is affecting their perception of their whole world. In other words, it's affecting their reading, it's affecting their depth perception, it could be affecting their ability to throw and catch a ball, and there's all kinds of other things that it affects as well. So this particular topic is something that every parent needs to know about in terms of what to look for as their child is growing up, what kinds of things they can do to help strengthen the visual process, you know, if their child is having any problems, to where to go to find out why they're having problems, and then more importantly, what to do about it, because we all want our children to be able to read for life successfully, easily, quickly, learn everything that they're being asked to learn, and also we want them to read for pleasure. Pat, I know that uh, one of your missions in life is that there are so many reading problems out there, and your belief is that these reading problems are really unnecessary. Do you have some statistics on the current reading problems in the nation? You know, actually I do, and, and the statistics come from the National Center for Educational Statistics, and, and I'm really certain that everyone on this call understands that we really do have a massive reading crisis in this country. It is not something that's small. Uh, we have a lot of educational reform acts that are directed specifically at this reading crisis. And one of the most important statistics from the government is that nearly 70%, and I said 70, and that's, that's a huge number, Nearly 70% of our fourth and our eighth graders are not reading at what we call proficient levels, which simply means effectively grade level. So when we talk about that many children, which translates into millions of children across the country, and we are spending billions of dollars to remediate that problem, and the truth is, when you look at all the statistics, we haven't made any progress in that area, literally, in the statistical measurement. We haven't made any progress in far more than a decade. So that really tells me that we have something going on that is unidentified, in a, in a sense, you know, the reasons why it's unidentified, and that we've overlooked some things, and rather than spending 
some of those dollars at the other end trying to remediate it, if we could prevent it in the first place, then we wouldn't have the problem and we would have so many more millions of children that are successful and feel good about themselves and can read easily and quickly. You mentioned your daughter, Erin. What happened to her? Well, you know, my daughter was in the first grade and the interesting thing is that she asked me to teach her to read when she was four and I did that. I got her and her friends in the neighborhood together and we had classes and they all really were anxious to learn to read and so because they asked, I never want to pressure a young child into reading too early because I don't think that's a good thing. In fact, I know it's not a good thing. But because these girls were asking, I said, you know, okay, sure, let's have some classes. And I taught her to read when she was four. And at, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm giving this sort of, you know, personal confession literally about my own life is that I want parents to understand how critical this particular problem is and that they have knowledge about what's going on. At the time, you know, I have a reading specialist credential, I had a master's degree, I had, you know, an administrative credential, and many teaching credentials. I had all kinds of paper for my walls, as I call it. And when my daughter went into the first grade, the teacher came to me after a little while and said, I would like your daughter, Erin, to repeat the first grade. And, of course, I was in shock <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and, and, and I said, my goodness, why? And she said, well, she's having reading problems. And so you can imagine how I felt at that particular moment. I knew my daughter just like, you know, your daughter and every other, every other parent. And, you know, they have their kids that they're talking about on this call. I knew my daughter was perfectly capable of reading I knew she wasn't lazy. I knew she wanted to read. I, in fact, knew she could read before she went to first grade. And so when that happened, all of a sudden, it sort of set me out on a life course, and I'm really actually grateful for that. And I began to investigate why she was having problems. And the sad thing is that neither as a parent, with everything I'd read, all my child development courses and all my teaching courses, Nothing had ever prepared me for what I was about to find out. So I happened to have a, a, a tutoring student that I was working with, and his mother said to me, my son is taking vision therapy. So I didn't know what that was. So I went ahead, and she told me what it was, and we can talk about it more in a few minutes. I went ahead and investigated. I went to the doctor, and I said to this particular eye doctor, and I said, now, please you know, would you explain to me what this is, what you do, and what the effects are? So I went through her office. In fact, I spent a couple of days with her, watching her, observing her, and paying very close attention. And as it turns out, my daughter's two eyes were not working well together as a team, as they needed to. And it wasn't her fault, and it wasn't because she was lazy. It was because she had what's known as a tracking problem. And then she also had a couple of other problems. She had an astigmatism and then a couple of other things. And so when I was speaking with the doctor, I said, well, can these things be fixed? And she said, absolutely, they can be fixed. So we gave my daughter, Erin, a course of vision therapy, and that was back in the first grade. 
and without revealing my age here, <laughs> that, that was actually more than 20 years ago. And today, my daughter is in her third year in medical school and did not have to repeat the first grade in that school and went on to achieve her life's dream of becoming a medical doctor. And so she's, she's just about there. And I, you know, I really am grateful about finding out why she was having these problems because I then went on to learn all about vision therapy, write about it in my books and give teacher education courses on it and parent education courses on it and try to help everyone know that this is not just a small, you know, sort of tiny little issue, but it's affecting millions of our children and we don't know that's a that it's affecting them because we don't know how the world looks through their eyes. Pat, why do you think that we're having such an epidemic of reading problems in this country? Rebecca, today's life is very, very different than it used to be. You know, if you think about you and me and maybe many of the parents on this call, we were not indoors so much. We were not staring at computer screens from the time we were two. We were not so involved in computers and technology and watching hundreds of hours of television. And some of those things actually limit the skills that a child needs to be able to read. So I think there's one reason is the technology. And technology in itself isn't bad, but too much of it can actually damage our our visual system, and our visual system isn't set up for that. And one of the other reasons is that, Pat, before you go on to that, the next reason, so one of the first reasons is because we're using our our short-range vision all the time, looking at a television that is close, a computer screen that is close, reading that is close, and we're indoors where we have walls around us, so we're not using our long-distance vision. We're not kind of stretching those muscles as much. Is that correct? That would be absolutely correct. In other words, when we're outdoors and we're combining things like, you know, we used to do a lot more things like riding our bikes and, you know, building tree houses and forts and, you know, being outside playing ball a lot more and developing all of the skills that we need for reading both at far point and at near point. And we were helping develop our left-right directionality and our peripheral vision and all kinds of things. But when a child spends too much time at near point, we stress ourselves. We stress our visual system, and frequently then the child is not developing the skills that they need to read. So they need to do those things in combination. They need to spend a lot more time outdoors and then a lot less time staring at a screen or using a computer or a Game Boy or something like that. Which I suppose is why the doctors always tell us that when we are looking at a screen to, you know, every few minutes, look away and look the farthest that you can to kind of stretch your eyes out there. Absolutely, because you have to, you have to relax your focusing both at far and at near. And, you know, even adults, we don't realize how much stress we're putting ourselves under because the human visual, visual system was never designed to be doing so many things at near point as we do today. So we really are literally stressing our entire bodies through our visual system when we spend all that time doing things at near point. I mean, it sounds like there really is a difference between eyesight and vision. 
Am I understanding that correctly? There is. There's there's a huge difference. Um, if I could go back, there's just one. I wanted to go back to that one other reason why I think there's such a big epidemic oh, yes, in terms please. of reading problems and then get into the eyesight and vision because it's related. The, the other reason is that when m- many children do not have the proper eye exam, they simply don't have it. Once again, you know, we're, we're kind of just assuming that our, our kids can see the way they're supposed to be able to see in order to do what we're asking them to do. We're just making that assumption. And unfortunately, that's not a good one. And in terms of a well baby check or a well child check, we need to be checking a lot more things than whether a child can see a chart at 20 feet away because we don't read our books at 20 feet away. And the typical screening is that eye chart. And so that's one of the other bigger reasons if you happen to have taken, I'm sure, has anyone on their call had their child taken in for an eye exam or had a screening where that eye chart was was most of it? Let me, let me open up the call, Pat. That's an excellent question. Has anyone yeah. on the call yes, had an I have. Uh, they uh, took it in for the regular eye chart test? Yes, I have. Uh, my son's name is Nigel. And, um, Actually, hold on just a moment, please. Callers, uh, if you would yes. be so kind, please press star six to mute out your phone. I, I still hear uh, someone with a baby nearby. Like some children and some dishes and some children. You may think that you're in mute mode. <laughs> I understand how that is. Uh, uh, please press star six or uh, press the mute button on your, on your phone. Okay, caller, go ahead. The question was, um, have you had an experience with uh, you know, vision screening? And there was one person, I think, that said their son's name was Michael. Oh, yes, please go ahead. Michael's mom? Michael's mom might be in star six. Yes, I think so. Uh, Michael's mom, press star six to come out of mute again. And then we'll be able to hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can. I can. Okay. And then there's one other. I think there was one other parent, Rebecca. You mentioned that there was a baby in the back and other sounds, and that person needs to just push star six. But maybe they're not. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, okay. Mike's mom. Okay. Um, yes, my son's name is Nigel. Oh, Nigel. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you because of the other noise there. <laughs> and, uh, he's six. But um, he can't talk. But uh, he has had an eye exam, mm-hmm. uh, and he's supposed to wear his glasses. Mm-hmm. But his eyes—they said his eyes are, are bad. But um, his eyes are fine because he can pick up and focus on picking up one of those itty itty bitty bitty, you know, candy little mint candy type things. Uh-huh. He can just he can focus and pick it up with no problem. Okay. Um, when I put his glasses on, his eyes, he, he, he squints and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I take him off and he's, he does fine. Is that, is that gonna cause some problem later on? Well, if you don't mind, if we could wait until the end of the call to address that particular issue, that, that's a good question. And what I was really trying to ask right now, and, and, and we'll just kind of go on here, um, but I'll just assume for the moment that if parents on the call have had their children examined or had their children's what we call eyesight examined, which is how we'll get into the eyesight and vision question that Rebecca just asked, 
the typical eyesight exam simply involves what they call the health of the eye and the acuity and whether there's any, you know, sort of major problems like uh, Rebecca had talked about, maybe like macular degeneration or other kinds of things or a crossed eye or something like that. But other than that, um, most of the typical eyesight exams don't even check children for what we call near-point vision or eyesight. They, They really just are looking at a chart and covering one eye, and it tells us that they might have something called 2020 eyesight, and I'm sure most of you have all have heard of that. But that term can be so misleading to a parent because it says, they, they think, oh, well, then my child has everything they need to be able to learn to read or to read well or to read often or to read for pleasure. But the truth is is that that number only means that that child can see a certain size letter from 20 feet away. That doesn't say anything about what's happening with your child when they're trying to read at somewhere between 11 and 16 inches from their eyes. So it's very important that when you do have an eye exam, you include what we call the visual skills in that exam. And I'll give you a really good metaphor for that. If anyone has watched a television where all of a sudden something happened to the television and the picture was not clear. In other words, the picture was there, but there was static or some other kind of interference. You could maybe see the picture, but you really couldn't make meaning out of it because there was some interference there on the television set. Well, vision is very much the same way. You have to have, you know, there's more than... 20 skills that are involved in the process of vision. There's more than 65% of all the brain pathways involved in vision. Vision is a, is a, it's not a static process at all. Vision is a very dynamic process and in fact, it takes up, you know, a high, the highest percentage of all the brain work we do is done through what we call vision. And it's just the ability to make meaning out of what you see. So if you have good eyesight, you might be able to see something clearly, but your vision and your ability to make meaning out of what you see may be impacted and you might not be able to make meaning out of what you're seeing. That that makes sense, Pat. And, and And it is a very big distinction, and that's why it's so critical that you know, that parents understand that when their children are young and as they're growing because the demands on the visual system, both from reading and from everything they're doing, you know, near point, far point, it doesn't matter, sports, riding a bike, everything that they're doing is involving their visual system. So all of those skills have to be intact. Pat, is there anything a child, a parent of a younger child can do, you know, when their child is young to prevent these problems? Yes. Yes, there are, as a matter of fact. One of the things that parents need to know, just just as when you're becoming a new parent, you know, it's kind of like you read every book there is and, and the first time you're a new parent and you want to know what's happening to your baby and how well they're developing, the, the one of the most important things a parent can do in the first year of a child's life, and then there are other times thereafter, 
in the very first year of a child's life is to take your child to what we call a developmental or a behavioral optometrist. And those doctors are specially trained to not only look for the health and the acuity and what we call the eyesight, they're, they're going to be looking at every, it's just like every regular eyesight exam you would get, but they are also trained in addition to look for any potential problems that could create visual problems later on that would affect your child's ability to read and play sports, etc. So that is one of the most important things that a parent can do right away. And there is a website where you can actually find a doctor just by typing in your zip code. And you can find one of those types of doctors that have that specialized training. In fact, at the University of California at Berkeley, they have a college of optometry where they train doctors to do this vision therapy training. And you can go to this particular website. It's If you have a pen there with you, it's um, www.covd.org. And that's C O V like Victor, D like David, dot O-R-G. And then it'll just say find a doctor. It'll have lots of information. And you can take your child for an exam. There's something terrific, um, Rebecca, and I'm not sure I've even mentioned it to you yet. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar with former President Jimmy Carter. Well, his two granddaughters had undetected vision problems that created problems for them when they were younger and no one found them out because they, they didn't have the right... 2020 type problems. Right, and they didn't have the right kind of exam. So... There is another website, and I do hope, you know, this is all obviously, you know, getting recorded at this point, but if you have a pencil or a pen, write this down. Um, All of the optometrists in the country now are giving free vision exams for children in the first year of their life. So if you don't happen to have that kind of insurance that would pay for one, you can go under this program and say, I would like my child to have this particular exam. And that partic- that website is called www.infant, like baby, infant, and then the letters S-E-E-C, infantc.org. And in fact, former President Jimmy Carter is the national spokesperson for that program. And these things affected his grandchildren so much that he really has a very personal interest in making sure that these problems are caught early and don't affect the children later on. And if we have time towards the end of the call, not right now, I will tell you one other story about um, former President Lyndon Johnson's daughter, Lucy, and something that happened with her as well. And it's the very same kinds of things we're talking about. We're talking about the difference then between um, 2020 vision and actually vision that you use for academics and for reading. What kind of visual skills do you need for academic and learning success? Okay, there are a huge number of skills that you need in order to be able to do what you're asking, you know, you're, you're being asked to do. So I'm just going to list some of them. 
and tell you a few of the effects that they might have on reading, and then I'll give you a couple of resources where you can go read up more about this. The, one of the first things you have to have is the, the visual acuity. That's the eyesight that we talked about. So you've got to be able to see clearly at near and far. Obviously, if you don't have that, you're going to have difficulty copying from, you know, maybe a book to a piece of paper. You might not do well in sports. If you're looking at something far away, if you happen to be using when you're teaching your children, if you happen to be using one of those whiteboards or chalkboards or something, um, you've got to have visual acuity and it has to be good or the child's going to have problems. The next thing is called tracking and that is absolutely critical. And what that simply means is that you have to follow a line of print. You know, in, in English, we read from left to right and you have to be able to fix your eyes on a point, follow the whole line to the end, and then return to the very next line without skipping a line. If you don't have that, your child is going to lose their place. They're going to get fatigued very, very easily. And, you know, obviously one of the things you can do to help develop that is a, a series of exercises, but at the very least, you could have your child using a ruler or their finger um, to help that if they don't have good tracking ability, but they do need it. Problem. That's one of the problems my seventh grader is having. And tracking. and you're doing exercise to help that in division therapy. Is that correct? I, I, we overlapped each other. I'm sorry. I, I yeah, it kind of clicked. I didn't hear it. Um, you're doing exercises to help correct the tracking problems in vision therapy. Is that correct? That is right. But I was just thinking, you're right. It's not that uncommon. And then the first thing the doctor said is, "Oh, she's a lefty." So oh, okay. Anyone on the audience has a left-handed person. Apparently, they have uh, some issues with tracking. Right. And, and you know, tracking. Interestingly, tracking. It, it it really, while it may be a little bit higher in left-handed population, tracking really applies to everyone. I mean, my daughter had tracking problems too, and she's a right-handed child, so and it's, so easy to correct. So yeah, and it's one, it's very simple. But if if you don't know that your child, you can tell whether they're having it, and I'll tell you in a few minutes how to ask some of the questions. But you you have to have it in order to be able to read and do a lot of other things. By the way, follow a ball. <laughs> if someone's throwing you a ball, you have to be able to to track that. Or I if remember in- you telling me the story of a husband and wife who had been married for years. They were both attorneys sitting down to breakfast, reading the paper, and the husband says, no, honey, you know, what do you do when the letters start uh, jumping off the page? <laughs> and how she looked at him and said, uh, my letters don't do that. And this is someone, too, that the husband never read for pleasure because um, a reading for work was probably exhausting for him. He was able to overcompensate, but he didn't have dyslexia, which everyone knows about with the reversal of the letters, but still he had it where one letter would suddenly get closer to him and the other one would fade away. You know that's that's a terrific example, and that's you know it's fascinating. It, it was it was it was it was amazing. And you know what? If you think about your children, if if you have two children, two siblings even, or you know two friends in the same room, and they're reading the same thing, and one of them is finishing quickly and able to you know do whatever you're asking them to do with the information, and the other one isn't, the kids don't know to ask that question. They don't know that the other child's world looks completely different to them. They think something's wrong with them. Exactly, and it hurts their self-esteem so terribly as time goes on. And that's one thing we really don't want to have 
happen. We want to make sure that these skills are intact and they're so easily corrected. And so have that special vision therapy type screening. Exactly. And that will take care of whether your child has those problems or not. And then there are very easy things to do to fix it. And even... What is the the name of the type of screening that's the vision... You know, there's the 2020 chart type screening. What is the name of the screening that they should ask for, this vision therapy type screening? Um, when they are speaking with a doctor, they, they, the, 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 now this is only the developmental optometrist that they have found on the website that I gave you. And there's another website too that I can give you for that as well. Um, but when they're speaking to that doctor, they want to let that doctor know that their child is having some reading problems and they want to say, I want a full eye exam. Obviously, that's the acuity and the health, just the typical one that you would get with any optometrist. And then they want to ask for a visual perceptual exam from that doctor. And now that doctor may call it something else, but they but they want to ask for an additional exam to see if their child is having vision problems that are affecting their reading or their can't, ability to... Can't you ask your regular doctor, too, to refer you out for this type of exam? You may or may not be able to ask for that. This often is not covered by insurance, unfortunately, and I will tell you as an expert in California and testifying in front of our California legislature, you know, trying to change our pupil vision screening laws, that the many physicians, not all, but many physicians um, don't have time during their well baby checks or their well child checks, nor are they trained to do this kind of exam. And many of them don't even know anything about this. So whether you could get a referral from your physician for this um, would be up to the individual doctor. Okay. So that that's about the best answer I can give you. Of course, that's that's part of your mission, isn't it? Making it where this is part of the standard screening. I know that's very important to you. Yes. Well, it really. I mean, if you think about the millions of children that are suffering because they don't have the right exam, just even children everywhere, anywhere that starts school or or homeschool, that doesn't matter. They every child needs this exam. So just very simply, then, um, tell us some things to look for that might be happening if our child is having you know, a reading problem or one of these types of vision problems? How will we know? Besides the screening, how will we know when we're just kind of observing our children? Well, um, a little earlier, I think you had mentioned, um, again, if some, if you have a pen in your hand, write this down. I put a, if your child is reading already, the, the quickest thing you can do is give them something that I developed with some of these doctors' input um, called the IQ Reading Inventory. It's E-Y-E, it's spelled, IQ Reading Inventory. And that's at howtolearn.com, and then there's a forward slash, and then I read, I succeed, and then a dot, and then H-T-M-L, Harry, Tom, Mary, Larry. So if they go there, or even to howtolearn.com and scroll down a little bit, there's a, a, a information on I read, I succeed. It'll take you to that page. So if your child's reading, the most... You know, just the, the just the simplest thing you can do is sit your child down and listen to them read. Just listen. Listen to them read. If they're younger, listen to them read for five or ten minutes. If they're older, listen to them read for twenty minutes. If they don't want to read out loud in front of you for some reason, put them in a room with a tape recorder 
let them read something that they have not read before that is age-appropriate. This is one of the ways that I caught it for my seventh grader because my fourth grader was reading better than my seventh grader, and she was um, messing up on some of the words or putting wrong endings on them, or she would kind of skip over them. Right. Those are And those are some of the very quick things that you're going to notice right away when you're listening to your child read. You're going to notice that they might not see the punctuation at the end of a sentence, or you're going to notice that they're skipping lines, or you'll notice that they know a word on one page and they don't know a word on another page. So that's true about the period because they'll finish one sentence and they read right on to the next one without pausing at all. Exactly. And and, and the typical response to that from from most parents, and it's only because they don't have the information that they need, is they might think that the child is being careless or lazy or, you know. Not and, paying attention. Or not paying attention. They're like, focus, Christy. You don't pay attention to this. Right, and that's a typical response, and, and it's like I said, it's because you think your child's world looks exactly the same to them as it does to you, and the truth is, is it doesn't. And Especially so, unless if they're a good student and they're doing well, and you know, no one has sure. noticed anything, and they're not blinking, and they don't have red eyes, <laughs> sure, it's not a obvious. it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so those are some of the things that you can look for, and then if, look for things like if, when your child reads. Are they sitting down and covering their one of their eyes? Are they like on their elbow on the table and then covering one of their eyes when they try to read? There's a reason for that. They're doing it to try to clear up the print, to try to make it look better. And make remember the story we talked about the husband in his 30s who said, what do you do when the letters jump around on the page? And the wife says, my letters don't jump. You know, it's they're trying to make it look better. So they'll have their elbow on the table and they'll cover up one of their eyes and they'll turn left and they'll turn to the right and they'll do a million things to try to compensate but they don't even know how to tell you that that their page is looking differently to them. So unless you ask how your child's world looks to them, you won't know. I mean, it's really simple. Some of the other things you can look for is if your child has a blank sheet of paper and they're, let's say, in the second grade or third grade, air, you know, age level wise, um, you know, and or older, look and see if they write uphill or downhill. Look and see if they can line up numbers in a column when they're doing math. And if they can't, that's an indicator, once again, that their eyes aren't working properly together and they've got what we call visual distortion. And if they've got that visual distortion, you really need to make sure that they have the proper eye exam with the developmental optometrist. The other thing is, do they repeat words? Like read it and then reread it. Um, do they call words like the what? A lot of kids do that. They'll be reading and they'll see a word like the and they'll call it what? Or do they grab a word from the line below and just sort of add it in to the line above? Or, or that, the other way around, or the line above into the line they're reading. And they'll often frequently add words or omit words that aren't, that, you know, they'll do all kinds of things like that. Or, you know, are they starting to reverse the letters? You know, are they turning a B into a D? Are they doing that frequently? And this, this, IQ reading inventory that I talked about earlier has all those questions in it and more 
and you can find out, you know, when they're copying from, let's say, their book to a piece of paper, are they able to do that? You know, are they complaining of headaches, as an example, a lot? Um, do they ever, you know, if you're giving them some kind of a, a quiz at, at home and, you know, they'll, they'll do it and then you'll look at it and you'll notice that they happen to miss an entire section of it. And they'll say to you something like, oh gosh, I didn't see that section. Um, the truth is, they didn't. And you don't want to think that they rushed through it or they were lazy. Now ultimately, in the end, your child's self-esteem will be affected by this. So some of those traits may come out in the end. You know, I wouldn't want to keep doing something day after day after day after day after day that was so hard for me and I knew somebody was going to try to measure me for mastery and I didn't know how to do it and I didn't know that it looked differently to someone else. I might get pretty discouraged and want to rush through it as well. So those are some of the things you can prevent by paying attention, you know, to your child and what's happening to them when they read. The other thing there's, is... Look, there's the pencil test too, isn't there, Pat? There is. It's something called... It's some, this is real simple. It's something called... You're measuring what we call convergence, which is the ability of the two eyes to work together as a team, which, by the way, vision is learned. Vision is learned. You're not born with it. Babies have to learn to use their two eyes together, and it takes time. So you can take a pencil. In fact, I do this all the time in groups of people. You know, parents will come up or adults will come up and say, oh, my child's having trouble reading, you know. And and you take a pencil with an eraser on it. And what you do is you hold it at eye level in front of the person and you take the pencil eraser part all the way into their nose so that the child has to cross their eyes to in order to, to and keep their eyes crossed to focus on that eraser, literally. And if they can't do that, if one of those eyes kind of kicks out, and you'll notice this, or it's real shaky, you'll see it, it's very easy to see, you know that they have what we call a convergence problem. That's and what it, it was for my daughter. And it, that's and how Both eyes it. would focus on the pencil as it came in, and then the right eye would you know, wander out. Exactly. It stay there. I remember that day <laughs> very well. I mean, it was just... It's so, that's one of those things that you can do yourself and you can say, oh my gosh, I never realized. And that means they can't hold their two eyes together on a single point for very long and they're going to get incredibly fatigued when they read. And they've got to use those two eyes together as a one unit. They have to make them clear and focus and stay on point. Otherwise, it makes reading very hard for them. And a lot of kids are so bright and they're doing okay, and you think, gosh, well, there's nothing wrong. And the truth is that they're working ten times harder than they have to to get the same result. And you don't even know it unless you check for some of these things. Pat, I don't want Nigel's mom to think that we've forgotten her. Do you remember what her question was? I remember part of her question was about um, her son um, having some difficulty did we open up the without glasses? So if Nigel's mom would come back on and re-ask the question, then we can then we can open up the line to you know any number of questions here. Yes, please, Nigel's mom. Thank you so much for your patience on that. Could you ask your question again? Let's see, now I've lost track of whether we're in conference mode or in open mode. 
Um, let's see. So it's nice and quiet I, I now. I remember the question. I mean, so Nigel's mom, if you would um, come on again and ask your question again. It's so quiet now. Remember, remember, you have to press star six. Okay. This, and this could be the error on my side, Pat. Does anyone else have a question for Pat? Well, she's, next she's going to give us some vision therapy exercises that you, that you can do at home, too. I hope that they're not talking. Let me, let me toggle this again. So does anyone have any questions for Pat? You can hear us, but we cannot hear you. <laughs> so press star six, then, to come out of mute mode and to ask your questions. There we go. Now I can hear something. Someone's coming down in. I, I yeah, I can hear someone in the background. Um, I do you have a question? How long does it usually take when you're taking vision therapy to get it corrected? Okay, I think your question was how. Did you say how long does it usually take? Yes. Okay, that question is is just simply dependent on what your child's needs are. Um, for my daughter, she took um, I believe it was. 12 weeks of vision therapy once a week and then we did some things at home some exercises at home to supplement that and then um, her problem was you know fixed and over with so if your child has a crossed eye as an example I will tell you it takes far longer than 12 weeks but the number of weeks is going to be simply based on what the doctor tells you and based on your child's needs. It's very individualized. There's just no one sort of set program of vision therapy. It's always based on what your child needs. For my son, um, he's going in once a month, and so he's turning uh, 15 next month, and our plan is that we'll do it for a year to get that vision even tighter so that he can qualify on the vision test to get his driver's license. So we expect it will take him a year. For my daughter, for the tracking, they said we could come in once a month and then do some exercises at home and that she could be taken care of in a six, week, a six months or six sessions. And, of course, in these sessions, Pat, they, um, the, the doctor has special equipment in their room, like uh, video games. And so you go in and your, your child will go onto this video game and then kind of track the red dot or do uh, muscle exercises on the, on the machine. And don't you also have some uh, exercises that we can do at home too, Pat? You know, I do. I, I consulted with actually the top vision therapists in the country, literally consulted with them, all of them, and wanted to create a program at home uh, because for, for many reasons, you know, maybe vision therapy far away or maybe their insurance didn't cover it or multiple reasons. So we created a kit with input from a number of doctors um, called I Read, I Succeed. And in that kit, there is a video by Dr. Joel Zeba and there is a book by Dr. Christy Remick called Eyes on Track, which will help develop tracking and many others as well. And there's another manual in it called A-plus Vision Manual, which has about 300 exercises in it for a child. 
And then if you use the IQ reading inventory that we talked about earlier and you start making check marks in the boxes, you can tell which exercises to do based on those check marks. But my, my, the thing that is more important in the, in the beginning is that you take your child and have the exam by the doctor so that you know what's going on because they have lots of specialized equipment, as you said, Rebecca, and lots of training. And you don't want to just automatically start this program while every exercise in it can be of benefit to every person. You don't want to just start it and do it without knowing, for example, does my child have an astigmatism or does my child need glasses or, you know, all kinds of other things. So you want to check on that first and then talk to your... At least it is an option, though, Pat. I mean, because vision therapy is not inexpensive. And, it, and the vision therapy doctors are not in every town. They're, so they're not, and that's why we put... It is an option. It is an option, and that's why we put the kit together. Um, but at the very least, you want to have an exam because a child does need an eye exam. Every child needs an eye exam. Talk about a, a regular traditional eye exam. They have to have an eye exam. That's how they discovered my son's vision disorder is that he used to blink all the time when he watched Thomas the Train. Uh-huh. And he to sit up closely, and then we thought, oh, he just must be watching the screen too much. His eyes are getting tired. And then uh, he was in preschool, and they uh, had a, a vision screening at the preschool, and they discovered it. Oh, well, that's really good. Yeah, we were grateful to it because, you know, you get used to certain behavior, and you don't realize, oh, <laughs> something's not quite right. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a good point, that you get used to it and you don't really recognize. And as I said, you've got to know how the world looks through your child's eyes, too. Um, there's a one more thing that is in that kit that I'm going to mention <clears throat> that there's quite a bit of research on and there's some new research that has come out. There's something called colored filter overlays. And these are simply um, thick acetate sheets of different colors. And if your child happens to have what we call a contrast sensitivity problem, meaning sort of light and dark kind of a problem. If they happen to have that or certain other problems, there are some children who you can take that colored filter overlay, put it over the print, and all of a sudden it clears up for them. Now, um, I want everyone on the call to know that that's what we call a Band-Aid <laughs> because they're not going to carry that around for the rest of their lives. So you want to make sure that if you do find any of these problems that you fix them. and But that may be a quick way to say, oh, and your child may all of a sudden say, oh, my goodness, this blue one um, or this yellow one makes this print look much different to me. So that that's one of the other things in the kit in case your child happens to have that contrast sensitivity problem. Pat, we're almost out of time. Would you give your contact information again for more information? Sure. Our website is www.howtolearn.com, and certainly you can contact me by email. It's Pat Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N, at howtolearn.com, and ask any questions. I want to give a couple more of the websites that people can look at for more information. I gave one earlier, which is www.covd.org. You can definitely go look at that one. There's another one on vision development, so you know what your child's supposed to be doing at the different milestones, and it's called uh, www.childrenswithans.com. 
and you can go there and there's all kinds of information on that website. And if you, in uh, quotation marks, in Google, if you do a, a search on vision therapy, and be careful now because sometimes people are calling speed reading programs vision therapy, and that's not the same thing. So if you do a, a Google search on vision therapy, you'll find some things as well. And the um, I Read, I Succeed kit that we talked about, Rebecca, I know that's the one that you're using for uh one of your children to do some so of those exercises because it's saving us so much money on the um, on the vision therapy. Exactly. And also the drive because the closest vision therapy office is an hour and a half each way. Right, and that's why that's exactly why we put it together. And so just you know have have an exam and then use some of those exercises at home. And the other thing to know is that you can tell your child this is really good news. <laughs> a lot of very famous athletes take vision therapy. Our gold medal winning uh, women's took vision therapy. After, uh, um, missing some words for you. Pardon me? We were um, The line was cutting out a bit. I think you might have a call coming in. So oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. Okay. So you said uh, many leading athletes do vision therapy, and you were um, listing the names. Oh, well, our, our gold medal winning women's uh, volleyball team, one of the years in the Olympics, took vision therapy. Some of the... Los Angeles Lakers take vision therapy. Um, you know, there's kind of a list that I could go on and on. Um, but one of the things I think we have about we have about six minutes according to your schedule, Rebecca. I actually, but I need I need three or four of those minutes to announce tomorrow's schedule. Oh, okay. So really, we only have one. All right. Well, then the very last thing um, I will say is certainly feel free to email me with any questions. Um, I'm delighted to do that. And um, we are doing, you know, certain classes on on this particular subject and some other subjects. And I'm, you know, simply delighted to answer your questions about those kinds of issues. And, and like Pat, Pat, your recording is available from the last teleconference too. Uh, there was an excellent interview we did with you on learning styles, uh, discovering your child's learning styles. And then we also did an excellent interview with you on. Um, uh, help, oh, ADD you, with uh, Dr. Frank Barnhill last summer. Remember that interview was on uh, ADD um, information for your child. It was just excellent, and I sure highly recommend it. Oh, thank you so much, Rebecca. So I am delighted to help anyone. Just email me if you have questions, and I really appreciate being, share, being able to share um, the time with, with everyone on the call, and I thank all of you. Well, thank you very much for being with us, Pat. We sure appreciate your time and your expertise. We seem to be calling on you all the time for your expertise. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because I there's so many children that I know that we can help that way. And, you know, the more information people have, the easier it is to help their children when they have, you know, special requirements. Well, uh, callers, if you'll hold on the line just one moment, I'm going to ask you at the end of the call to unmute your phone so that you can join me in saying uh, goodbye and thank you to Pat Wyman. But before we sign off, I mean, wow, another full day today. Uh, this is homeschool.com's winter homeschooling teleconference in 2006. It's like attending a national homeschooling conference, but from the comfort of your own home without the travel and hotel expenses. You don't have to find child care for the kids. And I've been receiving lovely thank you notes all week. And uh, homes.com, of course, we're so happy that we can host this event. And I uh, want you to know that it isn't just homeschool.com, of course. Uh, we uh, coordinate our efforts with all the other homeschooling uh, sites and magazines to kind of spread the word and 
We just all work on this together and delighted to be able to put it on. Uh, tomorrow, a very special day coming up. Tomorrow is the final day of our teleconference, and we're going to be interviewing the uh, author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, a big hit with homeschoolers, uh, Jack Canfield. His newest book is called Success Principles, and I liked it so much at the library that I went out and bought a book. And I'm normally really cheap <laughs> by books, but I found myself uh, dog-earing the pages and putting notes in there and underlining it. And so I asked him to come on so we could talk about success principles for uh, parents and children. So I, I just know it's going to be a fabulous interview. Uh, better get on the line uh, early to make sure you have a spot. I've arranged for extra lines, but I just do want to make sure that everyone can get on. The last interview for the day and for the week, we uh, specifically planned it. It's with Lynn Rose. Uh, she has a, a terrific goal-getter program. Uh, last year, we interviewed John Asaraf and Cynthia uh, Kersey, and they gave us some great information, Brian Clemmer, but their programs are so expensive. Sometimes they're even thousands of dollars, whereas Lynn's program, it's less than $200. I, I've taken it uh, twice, you know, once last year and the year before. I found it to be so helpful. Uh, she's going to walk you through uh, a process like a meditation to help you discover uh, what your um, what your primary goal is. They say the first tip to success is to identify what your big number one goal is. And then she gives you some excellent, excellent uh, help, some tips on how to achieve that goal. So tomorrow is going to be a big day, a final day. I sure highly recommend it. You all have the call-in number and the passcode. So thank you again for uh, being with us. I'm going to open up the call, press star six to unmute your phone, and we'll say uh, goodbye to Pat Wyman. And if you have any questions for me, I'll, I'll stay on the line as well. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, Pat. Thanks. Goodbye. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions for me before we um, uh, shut down the line, the conference call line? And if you're a homeschool.com product tester, thank you very much for reviewing our guests and sending me your their uh, their review. I'll be sure to pass it on to our guests. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, Rebecca. It was wonderful. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. We hope you have enjoyed this special presentation from homeschool.com. For a copy of this program or any homeschool.com program, visit our website at www.homeschool.com. At homeschool.com, you'll find the information, resources, and support you need to make your homeschooling better than ever. Yeah, yeah.